Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Me one more minute. I gotta turn one more on. This conference and... is being recorded. Okay, here we go. Thank you, God, for bringing us all together to come together and praise and worship His name. When tonight we have a great biblical history of Israel, the final exam. We have studied Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First Samuel, Second Samuel, First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles. Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. And uh, this has been a journey, 12 chapters, and tonight's the final exam. I'll try to briefly give a summary on each chapter and go right into the final. I thank God for prayer warriors that are here with us. We have our awesome sisters that want to pray, and we thank God for all people wanting to pray. So I'll let them begin with prayer, and then I'll go into the lesson and pray too. This is a Bible study, and all are welcome. Go ahead, Miss um, Amy or Ann, whichever wants to go first. Oh, Ann. Ann, Ann, you want to go? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead okay. Father God in heaven, in Jesus Christ's name, I praise God. Thank you so much, Father, for allowing us to get together at this hour, this day, and bringing us together as Miriam and, and uh, Amy and so many others who join us. Uh, Father God, please continue to show us uh, show us the way, Father, and guide us in a path that uh, you are protecting us so that we are bearing less and less from our torturous attacks, Father. Uh, Father God, please continue to bless our family and our friends as we continue on this journey, Father. Uh, please continue to, to show us and guide us today. In Jesus' name I pray forever and ever. Amen. 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 Did I have anything new? Amy? Amy? Okay, dear Father, I come to you to, and ask you to change the circumstances of people regarding the energy being used on them to cause them different types of physical and psychological harm. Come into the life and restore peace by bringing out and shedding the light on what's happening to people from individual programming computers to warm them and their bodies in their homes and abroad and turning their home into a chambering, torturing chambers for the person with the energies. 
bust up and bind those who are participating in doing those things and shed the light on them and bring them to justice in the court of law. And I am carefully just to give your name a word that of magnificence. Amen. 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 All right. We're looking at prayers that activate blessings before we go into our final exam. So we're going to uh, just take a look here at this prayer that activates blessings, blessing and favor declarations. Lord, you have granted me life and favor. Lord, I thank you for life and life more abundantly. I thank you for favor coming upon my life. I believe that new life and new favor have been ordained for me. Today I receive new life and new favor. I believe favor is a gift of heaven. I receive the gift of life, the gift of eternal life. I receive the gift of favor and the gift of grace upon my life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for new grace and new favor, new prosperity and new blessings coming my way. I am the apple of God's eye. I am one of God's favorites. God favors me. God loves me. And he has chosen me for a deeply rooted assignment that I know he can take me through. I thank you for choosing me from the foundation of the world to receive your grace and favor. I receive extraordinary favor on my life in the name of Jesus. Scriptures that tell me, and I know, I stand on biblical authority. The courts stand on it. I stand on the, the authority of the Bible. Genesis 39.6 tells me, let me be well favored. Genesis 39.21 tells me, Lord, show me mercy and give me favor. Exodus 12.36 tells me, give me favor in the sight of the world. Deuteronomy 33:23 says, let me be satisfied with your favor in Jesus' name. 1 Samuel 2:26, let me have favor with you, O God, and with men. Let me have favor with the king, 1 Samuel 16:22. Let me have great favor in the sight of the king, 1 Kings 11:19. Let me find favor like Esther, Esther 2:17. Thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. I pray unto you, Lord, grant me favor. Job 33:26. Bless me and surround me with favor like a shield. Is your favor in your favor is life. Psalms 35, 30 verse 5. Make my mountain stand strong by your favor, Heavenly Father. Psalms 30 uh, verse 7. Because of your favor, the enemy will not triumph over me. Psalms 41.11. Through your favor, God, I am brought back from captivity. Psalms 85.1. Let my horn be exalted through your favor. Psalms 89.17. My set time of favor has come. Psalms 102.13. I entreat your favor with my whole heart. Psalms 119.58. Let your favor be as a cloud of the latter rain. Proverbs 16.5. Let your favor be upon my life as the dew upon the grass. Proverbs 19.12. 
I choose your loving favor, God, rather than gold and silver. Proverbs 22.1. Let me be highly favored. Luke one twenty eight. Show me, God, your marvelous loving kindness. Psalm 17.7. Remember your mercy and loving kindness in my life. Psalm 25.6. Your loving kindness is before my eyes. I receive your excellent loving kindness. Psalms 36.7. Continue, God, your loving kindness in my life, Psalms 36.10. God, I thank you because I know the Bible, a book of authority, has hundreds of powerful prayers that activate blessings in our lives. Lord, I ask you to bless each and every participant that's here tonight, each and every listener, each and every download of Heavenly Father. Give them the favor, the blessings to carry the sword of the Most High God, to do the work of your will on this earth, God, to bind up demons and put them under their feet where they belong. In the name of Jesus, give them the strength, the finances, the health, the ability to carry out the assignment you put on their lives in Jesus' name, that they will be great, do great works, great things, Heavenly Father, that honor your name. According to your will, there will be great things done. God, we thank you in advance. We praise you. We exalt you. We magnify your name. We decree and declare favor, good health, blessings, prosperity, finances, everything according to your will, Heavenly Father, to expand the kingdom of God. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. You brought us through a whole many years, a whole nother week, and as we go into this week, God, we ask you to continue, Heavenly Father, blessing us and keeping the favor light, the guardian angels over each and every one of us. Our bloodlines, we decree and declare, will be covered by the favor of God. Our children's children, our nieces, nephews, our loved ones, our entire 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 bloodline, that the warrior angels, God's heavenly angels, will cover them, bind up every trick, scheme of Satan, every plot, ploy to harm or hurt, and let that favor reign over our lives in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. We praise you. We exalt you. We come together, Heavenly Father, to just give you all the honor, all the praise. We thank you for our elders, Heavenly Father, and we ask you, God, for continued blessings upon them. Thank you, God, for my mother, Amy's mother, Anne's mother. In the name of Jesus, each of the elders that are playing on the internet, um, on the download, on on the um, across the radio wave lines. In the name of Jesus, that they'll be blessed and highly favored. And we ask you, God, for extra favor over their minds, their their brains. We bind up the spirit of Alzheimer. We bind up that spirit of cataracts. We bind up induced aging. We bind up induced poverty. We bind up electronic torture, pain, suffering, everything from Satan. We send back to the pit of hell that it came from. We decree and declare that your people will be blessed knowledgeable, highly favored, covered by the blood of the Most High God, shielded, protected, watched over, covered by God, that no weapon formed against them will prosper. In the name of Jesus, we bind up every plot and ploy of Satan. We bind up the spirit of induced poverty. We bind up the spirit of harming people, income blacklisting. God, we ask you to open the windows of heaven. We decree and declare the windows of heaven will be open, that supernaturally that we will be blessed and highly favored. I thank you, God, as we align ourselves with the assignment you have for our lives, that we know and we decree you'll give us the 
continue to give us the health that's needed to perform the acts, the finances needed to perform the acts, the ability, the stamina, the courage, the faith, every single thing that is aligned to us to complete the assignment you created us for. God, we thank you. We praise you as we line up, as we become soldiers in the army of the Lord, ready for the work that you put on our lives. In the name of Jesus, God, we give you praise. We give you glory. We ask you, God, to bless this Bible study as we uh, finish up on the uh, biblical history of Israel. As we take this final exam, we ask you, Heavenly Father, to have the uh, Holy Spirit lead the lesson. Let us leave here with information and knowledge we did not have previously and give us information and knowledge to make us better warriors in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. So again, tonight, we are looking at the final exam for the biblical history of Israel. We looked at Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. We'll take a brief look at uh, the book. Uh, Joshua is known as the Book of Conquest. Um, I'm just going to let's take a look at the key points. We looked at the Christ of Joshua. Uh, although there are no direct messianic prophecies in the book, Joshua is clearly a type of Christ. His name, Yahshua, meaning Yahweh, is salvation. It is the Hebrew equivalent of the name Jesus. In his role of triumphantly leading his people into their possessions, he foreshadows the one king who will bring many sons to glory. In Hebrews 2.10, Now thanks be to God, always leads us in triumph in Christ. Joshua succeeded Moses and wins the victory not reached by Moses. This foreshadowed that Christ would succeed the Mosaic law and win the victory unreachable by the law. The commander of the army of the Lord, who was met by Joshua, is evidently a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Rahab's scarlet cord portrays safety through the blood, and amazingly, this Gentile woman is found in Christ's genealogy. The keys to Joshua, the key word is conquest. The entire book of Joshua describes the entering, conquering, and occupying of the land of Canaan. The book begins with the statement of the promise of conquest. The key verses are Joshua 1, 8 and Joshua 11, 23. The key chapter is Joshua 24. The most critical periods in Israel's history are the transitions of leadership from Moses to Joshua. Joshua to the judges, from the judges to the kings, and so on. Before his death, Joshua made preparation for a major transition of leadership. This transition would delegate the authority that was held up until now by one man to the authority that would be held up by many, the judges, many, the judges. Joshua reviews the people of God's fulfillment of his promises and then challenges them to review their commitment to the covenant, which is the foundation for all successful national life. Summary of Joshua. Joshua resumes the narrative with Deuteronomy left off, and it takes Israel from the wilderness to the promised land. Israel has now reached a climatic point of fulfilling the centuries-old promise in Genesis of a homeland. 
The first half of Joshua describes seven-year conquest of the land. The second half gives the details of the division and settlement of the land. Okay? That was one of our chapters. The first one was Joshua. Joshua, we went to Judges. Judges, and um, we take a look at the Christ of Judges. Each judge was a savior and a ruler a spiritual and political deliverer. Thus, the judges portray the role of Christ as the savior king of his people. The book of Judges also illustrates the need for a righteous king, including 1 Samuel, 17 judges are mentioned altogether. Some are warrior rulers, as was were Othniel and Gideon, and one is a priest, Eli, and one is a prophet, Samuel. This gives a cumulative picture of the three offices of Christ who excelled all his predecessors in that he was the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. The keys to Judges, the key word is cycles. The book of Judges is written primarily on a thematic rather than a chronological basis with chapters 16 through 21 actually preceding chapters 3 through 15. The author uses the accounts of the various judges to prove the utter failure of living as God chose them to by the closing verse of Judges. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. It's up to just like today. Every nation that did what was right in their own eyes, in other words, people do what they want, they suffered. To accomplish this, the author uses a five-point cycle to recount the repeated spiral of disobedience, destruction, and defeat. The five parts of the cycle are sin, servitude, supplication, salvation, and silence. The key verses are Judges 2, 20, and 21. The key chapters, Judges 2, and... uh, Okay, I'm not gonna. We we did these. I'm just briefly going over them. The next one we did was Ruth, the Christ in Ruth. The concept of the kinsmen is in Ruth three nine. A close relative is an important portrayal of the work of Christ. We can see the truth about the kinsman redeemer in several scriptures. He must be related by blood to those he redeems. He must be able to pay the price of redemption. He must be willing to redeem them. He must be free himself. Christ was free from the curse of sin because he did not have Adam's bloodline in him. The Hebrew word, oh, somebody's phone, somebody's phone, some background noise, please. The Hebrew word, somebody, can you hit star six, please? The keys. Can you hit star six, please? Can you hit star six, please? Background noise coming in. Background noise coming in. Can you hit star six, please? Background noise coming in. Background noise coming in. Background noise is coming in. Can you hit star six, please? I got to find this. I have to find. Um, um,
All right, testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Okay, I'll just do it from a different line. All right. All right, that background noise. We're looking at the book of Ruth. And the keys to Ruth, the key word is kinsman, redeemer. The Hebrew word for kinsman appears 13 times in Ruth and basically means one who redeems. By buying back the land of Naomi as well as marrying Ruth and fathering a son to keep the family line alive, Boaz acts as a redeemer. The key verses are Ruth 1.16 and uh, chapter 3, verse 11. The key chapter is Ruth 4, chapter 4. In 22 short verses, Ruth moves from widowhood and poverty to marriage and wealth. Yes, Lord. In exercising the law, regulating the redemption of property, Leviticus 25.25. Okay. Um, And the law concerning a brother's duty to raise up seed children in the name of the deceased. Boaz brings a Moabite woman into the family line of David and eventually of Jesus Christ. In studying the genealogy of Christ, we can see that Ruth, a Gentile woman, was King David's great-grandmother. By this example, we can also see that it was and it is God's intention to include the Gentiles by covenant into the royal lineage. Summary of Ruth. Ruth is the story of a virtuous woman who who lives above the norm of her day. Although it was probably written during the time of David, the events take place during the time of the judges. This period in Israel's history was generally a a time of rebellion and immorality, but the story of Ruth stands in contrast as an oasis of integrity and righteousness. Ruth is best known for her loyalty and modesty. She demonstrated personal courage by her willingness to leave her homeland and go with Naomi to, to a strange land and a destiny that was unknown to her. Choosing to leave her home, the Jewish sages believe, was a far greater act of faith than even Abraham displayed. Abraham went by the command of God. God told Abraham to go in Genesis 12.1. But Ruth left her home and joined her mother-in-law in in a new country on her own volition. Love for her husband's memory and for her mother-in-law was the driving force that caused Ruth to leave her country and go to Bethlehem with Naomi. Once there, Ruth took it upon herself to support both herself and Naomi. She worked gleaning leftover grain from the fields to acquire food for Naomi and herself. She worked in the field of her husband's kindred. Ruth was a woman of great fortitude. Her actions are great lessons for us today. Her ministry was one of a kind, heart, and fierce loyalty. She made a great impact on those around her. Ruth's love is demonstrated to Naomi and to God chapter in chapters 1 and 2. The story began with famine in Israel, a sign of disobedience and apostasy. Okay, I'm not going to go until we did that. Okay, so that's a little bit about Ruth. After Ruth, we studied 1 Samuel. I'll try to make it a little because there's the final 60 questions. The Christ of 1 Samuel. Samuel is a type of Christ in that he was a prophet, priest, and judge, highly revered by the people. He brought a new age in. 
David is one of the primary Old Testament portrayals of the person of Christ. He is born in Bethlehem, works as a shepherd, and rules as the king of Israel. He is the anointed king who becomes the forerunner of the Messianic king. His typical Messianic psalms are born of his years of rejection and danger. See Psalms 22. God enables David, a man of his own heart, to become Israel's greatest king. The New Testament specifically calls Christ the seed of David according to the flesh, Romans 1.3, and the root and the offspring of David. The keys to 1 Samuel. The, word, the key word is transition. 1 Samuel records the critical transition in Israel from the rule of God through the judges to his rule through the kings. So first they had judges, then they had kings. This transition goes through three stages. It goes from Eli to Samuel, Samuel to Saul, and Saul to David. The key verses of 1 Samuel 13, 14. The key chapter is 1 Samuel chapter 15. Survey of 1 Samuel. The, first, the book of 1 Samuel is the beginning leading character in 1 Samuel. Samuel's story begins late in the turbulent time of the judges when Eli is the judge priest of Israel. Okay, Corruption at Shelah by Eli's notoriously wicked sons leads to Israel's defeat in the crucial battle in the Philistines. The Ark of the Covenant, God's throne among the people, is lost to the Philistines. Samuel was the first judge to occupy the prophetic office. However, he was not the first prophet. As a man of great piety and prophetic gifts, Samuel wisely directed Israel in a revival of true worship. In chapter 7, he laid the foundation that gave the prophets the due place in Israel. And he clearly established the monarchy as the theocratic kingship. Samuel's importance as spiritual leader of God's people during a period of great change in Israel's history is second only to that of Moses at the time of the Exodus. When Samuel is old and his sons prove to be unjust judges, the people wrongly cry out for a king. They want a visible military and judicial ruler so they can be like all the nations. God promised to raise up a faithful priest. Samuel was trained by the high priest Eli for the sacred duties. He eventually succeeded Eli as a high priest. He was consistently faithful to God throughout his life. In this way, he points forward to the perfect priest, Jesus the Messiah. Above all, a priest is called to be faithful and to adhere firmly to what is in God's heart and word. This implies steadfast allegiance, devotion, fidelity, and an unwillingness to be turned aside from God and his ways. The New Testament teaches that only those who have clearly demonstrated faithfulness to God are to be spiritual leaders of God's people. Some opinions are that Samuel is one of the first persons to occupy the prophetic office, although Abraham, Moses, and Deborah was said to have a prophetic gift before him. However, for many outstanding Jewish sources, it is believed that Shem, the son of Noah, founded the prophetic schools. Shem was known as the master prophet, headed one of the first schools of the prophets. All right, that's a little bit about Samuel. Okay. Then we did Second uh, Samuel 2. I'll be here reading this all night. Um. You're going to have to go back to, let me uh, 
go back you have to go back to the lessons because the final exam is uh sixty questions, so that's gonna be an hour right there. So let me get to this final exam. And you can always play back the tape and just listen to the parts that feel uh that are most relevant. Uh if the final exam does not help you understand uh, the answers, because I am giving the questions and the answers. Okay. Um, oh, no, they did it different here. Time remaining, two minutes. I'm not doing this final. Let me get out of here. I have to do all the questions before I get the correct answers. Then I should have done it. Oh, boy. And they only gave me two minutes here. Let me see how he did it here. And they time it? Let me see. Let's see. Let me go to the end. Submit all and finish. You're about to close this attempt. Once you close the attempt, you will no longer be able to change the answer. <clears throat> Let's see. <clears throat> oh, I don't like how he did this. They did not... Uh, No, I don't like how he did this one. Who made Solomon turn his head? No, they don't. I don't like how he did this exam. All right, we'll take a look. What made Solomon turn his heart from God? A, Solomon's wealth. B, Solomon's unfaithfulness. C, Solomon's exceptional wisdom. D, Solomon's ungodly marriages. And Solomon was known for ungodly marriages. Okay, that was easy. What is the key chapter of the book of Joshua? We looked at that, and that was Joshua 2. Okay. What are the prominent subjects? Wait a minute, what is that? Wait a minute. What is the key chapter? No, I don't like how I have to. This was a preview. So, where is. Let me get out of here. I'd rather not. I'm remaining. Two minutes, one minute. Okay. Yeah, this is a time tap. I'd rather not give. I don't like how they did this. I have to. Let me say, start again. Let's do this. Let's see. Uh, I I may just do the review tonight then, because this final exam 
uh, I'd rather, I'm not giving answers if, if I can't have the answer key. Then I just have to talk to my professor. Um, well, let me see. I really wanted to do this final. I'm so disappointed. I had to <clears throat> wait to get it here, and now I have it here, and it's not even right. Give me a second. I want to see how he, uh, if I could go through 1 through 30. Let's see if they're going to. Give me one second. Thank God, Mother is sleeping nicely. Give God all the honor and the praise for that. One second. Let's see how he did this one. Okay, let's see. Submit all. Let's see. You are about to close this attempt. Okay. Let's see. Number one, Marxist may come to override. Fill in the blank answer. Not going to at least one. Oh, oh. I don't know. I want to see if he's um. This is partially correct. Choose at least one answer. No, I'll go through the. Um, we'll do. We're gonna have to do the final exam after I email this uh, professor here. Um, I'll continue with the review and ask that you join me on Friday uh, as we take a look at the uh, summary of the lessons. We stopped at Second Samuel and I'll finish up from second uh do a summary and then we'll do the final exam. I have to touch base with the professor regarding uh some issues. Okay, so the Christ of Second Samuel is seen in the introduction to First Samuel, David is one, the most important type of Christ in the Old Testament. In spite of his sins, he remains a man after God's own heart because of his responsive and faithful attitude towards God. He sometimes fails in his personal life, but he never fails in his relationship with the Lord. Unlike most of the kings who succeed him, he never allows idolatry of Yahweh. Idolatry of, uh, he never allows idolatry. He is obedient to God's law, and he is an ideal king. David's rule was usually characterized by justice, wisdom, integrity, courage, and compassion. Having conquered Jerusalem, he sits upon the throne of Mount Shazdek, the righteous king. David is the standard by which all subsequent kings are measured. Of course, David's life, as recorded in chapters 1 through 10, is far better portrayal of the future Messiah than is his life as it is seen in chapters 11 through 24. 
Sin mars a man's potential. The closest way in which he foreshadows the coming king can be seen in the important covenant God makes with him. Second Samuel 7, verses 4 to 17. David wanted to build a house for God. However, God made a house for David. The same three promises given to David of an eternal kingdom, throne, and seed are later given to Christ. There are nine different dynasties in the northern kingdom of Israel, but there is only one dynasty in Judah. The promise of a permanent dynasty is fulfilled in Christ, the son of David, one who will sit upon the throne of David. The keys to Second Samuel. The key word of Second Samuel is David. The central character of Second Samuel is David, around whom the entire book is written. The key truth illustrated is the same as the theme of Deuteronomy. Obedience brings blessing and disobedience brings judgment. The key verses of Second Samuel are seven twelve and twenty two twenty one. The key chapter of Second Samuel is the eleventh chapter. The eleventh chapter of Second Samuel is pivotal for the entire book. This chapter records the tra- tragic sins of David regarding Bathsheba and her husband, Uriah. All the widespread blessings on David's family and his kingdom are quickly removed as God chastises his anointed one. Survey of Second Samuel. Second Samuel continues the account on the life of David at the point where First Samuel concludes. Soon after the death of Saul, the king-elect becomes the king enthroned first over Judah, where he reigns in Hebron for seven and a half years and finally over all of Israel, where he reigns in Jerusalem for 33 years. The book reviews the key events in the 40-year reign of the man who is the halfway point between Abraham and Christ. He can be surveyed in the three transgressions of David. Second uh, Samuel chapter eleven, and the troubles of David in Second Samuel twelve twenty four. The triumphs of David were many. Chapters one through four record the seven year reign of David over the territory of Judah. Even though Saul was David's murderous pursuer, David does not rejoice in his death because he recognized that Saul had been divinely anointed as king. Saul's son. Ishbosheth is installed by Abner as a puppet king over the northern tribes of Israel. The transgressions of David brought trouble to his house and the nation. David's crimes of adultery and murder mark the pivotal point of the book. Because of these transgressions, David's victories and successes are changed to the personal, family, and national troubles which are recorded throughout the rest of Second Samuel. The troubles of David included the death of a child. The disobedience of the king produced chastisement and confusion at every level. David's glory and fame fades, never to be the same again. Nevertheless, David confesses his guilt when confronted by Nathan the prophet, and he is restored by God. A sword remains in David and Bathsheba's house. The child dies. His son Amon commits incest, and his son Absalom murders Amon. Mm. The consequences continue with Absalom's rebellion against his father. He shrewdly stole the hearts of the men of Israel. David is forced to flee from Jerusalem, and Absalom sets himself up as king. 
David would have been ruined, but God keeps Absalom from pursuing him until David has time to regroup his forces. Absalom's army was defeated by David's army. Meanwhile, Joab kills Absalom in disobedience to David's orders to have this there. Okay. I don't want to go into the whole thing because we did that reading. That is Second Samuel. After Second Samuel, we did First Kings. Uh, survey, short survey on First Kings. Well, the Christ of First Kings, Solomon typifies Christ in a number of ways. He, his renowned wisdom points ahead to Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. Solomon's fame and glory, wealth and honor foreshadow Christ in his kingdom. Solomon's rulership begins, brings knowledge, peace, and worship. However, Despite Solomon's splendor, the Son of Man later says of his coming, indeed, a greater one will come. Indeed, a one greater than Solomon is here. Matthew 12:42. The prophet Elijah is more typical of John the Baptist than of Christ, but his prophetic ministry and miraculous works illustrate aspects of the life of Christ. What are the keys to First Kings? The key words of First Kings is division of the kingdom. The theme of First Kings centers on the fact that the wealthy of Israel and Judah depended upon the faithfulness of the people and their king to the covenant. Historically, it was written to give an account of the reigns of the kings from Solomon to Jehoshaphat and Judah. In Isaiah and Israel, the two books of Kings as a whole trace the monarchy from the point of the greatest prosperity under South Solomon to his demise and destruction in the Assyrian and Babylonian captivity. Theologically, First Kings provides a prophetically oriented evaluation of the spiritual and moral causes that led to the political and economic demise of the two kingdoms. The material is too selective to be considered a biography of the kings. For example, Omri was one of the Israel's most important rulers from a political point of view, but because of his moral corruption, his achievements were dismissed in a mere eight verses. The lives of these kings are used to teach that observance of God's law produces blessings. But apostasy is rewarded by judgment. Mm. The key verses are Kings 9, 4, 5, and 11, 11. The key chapters, 1 Kings chapter 12. The first half of the Kings concerns the life of one of the most amazing men who ever lived. More than any man before or since, he knew how to amass and create creatively use great wealth. With the sole exception of Jesus Christ, Solomon is the wisest man in human history. He brings Israel to the peak of its size and glory, and yet the kingdom is disrupted after his death. It's torn into two parts by civil strife. The book divides clearly into two sections, the United Kingdom and the Divided Kingdom. Okay, so that's First Kings. And um, 
Okay, we can see in First Kings spiritual applications concerning prayers, warnings, exhortations, the Lord's justice and righteousness, his judgments, the Lord's mercy, the church as God's house, worship and praise. The writer gives us application on the voice of God, successful leadership, the causes of apostasy in the hand of God, all in the first book of First Kings. Then we went into Second Kings. We're looking at the biblical history of Israel. Quick review of the story of the chapters we read. We looked at Second Kings, the Christ of Second Kings. Unlike the nine different dynasties in the northern kingdom of the kings of Judah, reign as one continued dynasty in spite of Queen Athaliah's attempt to destroy the house of David. God remains faithful to His covenant and the Messiah is David's direct descendant. While Elijah is a type of John the Baptist, Elisha reminds us of Christ. Elijah generally lives apart from the people, and he stresses law, judgment, and repentance. Elisha lives among the people and emphasizes grace, life, and hope. That is the Christ of Second Kings. The keys to the book of Second Kings, the key words are captivities of the kingdom. Second Kings records the destruction and captivity of Israel by the Assyrians, as well as the destruction and captivity of Judah by the Babylonians. The book was written selectively, not exhaustively, from a prophetic viewpoint to teach that the decline and collapse of the two kingdoms occurred because of the failure on the part of the rulers and the people to heed the warnings of God's messengers. The spiritual climate of the nation determined its political and economic conditions. As, and the way it was then is the way it is today. <laughs> Again, the spiritual climate of the nation determined its political and economic conditions. Mm. We are reliving history. Okay. <clears throat> the key chapter, Second Kings, is the 25th chapter. <clears throat> the last chapter, Second Kings, records the utter destruction of the city of Jerusalem and its glorious temple. Only the poor of Israel were left, and even some of them flee for their lives to Egypt. However, hope is still alive with the remnant in Babylonians' captivity, even as evil Moradak frees Jehoiakim from prison and treats him kindly. Okay. Um, okay. So, let me see. Without interruption, Second Kings continues the narrative of First Kings. The twin kingdoms of Israel and Judah pursue a collision course with captivity as the glory of the once <clears throat> united kingdom becomes increasingly diminished. Division led to decline and ends with the double deportation with Israel captured by Assyria and Judah by Babylon. This book traces the history of the divided kingdom in chapters 1 through 17 and the history of the surviving kingdom in chapters 18 through 25. Well, yep, corrupted leaders and, uh, and people living as they wanted brought about division and, and just uh, all kinds of demise. 
the next chapter we did was First Chronicles, and the Christ the First Chronicles. <clears throat> the tribe of Judah is placed first in the national genealogies in First Chronicles because the monarchy, the temple, and Messiah will come from this tribe. Since the book of Chronicles are the last books of the Hebrew Bible, the genealogies in chapters 1 through 9 are preamble to the genealogy of Christ in the first book of the New Testament. The keys to First Chronicles are First Chronicles uh, 17 and 11 and 14 and 29 and 11. The key chapter is First Chronicles 17. The key chapter is First Chronicles 17. The key This was done in order to give the return remnant a divine perspective on the developments of their past. The whole book of First Chronicles, like Second Samuel, is dedicated to the life of David. It begins with the royal line of David, chapters 1 through 9, before surveying key events of the reign of David, chapters 10 through 29. Okay, so yes, Chronicles was very similar too, but from a different perspective as Second Samuel. And it went into the life of David, not a different era. Um, it was uh, during the same time period. Then we have Second Chronicles, the Christ of Second Chronicles. The throne of David has been destroyed, but the line of David remains. Murders, treachery, battles, and captivity all threaten the Messianic line. However, the line remains clear and unbroken from Adam to Zerubbabel. The fulfillment in Christ can be seen in the genealogies of Matthew chapter 1. The temple also prefigures Christ. Jesus says, in this place there is one greater than the temple. He also likens his body to the temple when he said, I destroyed this temple, and in three days I will raise up. In Revelation, he replaces the temple, but I saw no temple in it, for the Lord Almighty and Lamb are its temple. The keys to Second Chronicles. The key words are priestly view of Judah. The key verses are Second Chronicles 7.14. The book of Second Chronicles provides topical histories of the end of the United Kingdom under Solomon and the kingdom of Judah. More than historical annals, Chronicles is a divine editorial on the spiritual characteristics of the Davidic dynasty. This is why it focuses on the southern rather than the northern kingdom. Most of the kings fail to realize that apart from the true mission as a covenant nation called to bring others to Yahweh, Judah has no calling, no destiny, and no hope of becoming great on her own. Only what is done in accordance with God's will has any lasting value. Chronicle con concentrates on the kings who are concerned with maintaining the proper service of God in the times of spiritual reform. However, growing apostasy inevitably leads to judgment. You know, people were doing what they want. Mm. Second Chronicle Summary, the book repeatedly teaches that whenever God's people forsake him, he withdraws his blessings. Wow. 
However, those who trust and obey God will always have victory through him. Since everything in Chronicles is related to the temple, it is not surprising that this book concludes with Cyrus's order to rebuild it. Solomon's reign is covered in the beginning of the book. The reign of Judah's kings makes up the balance of the book. Here's a brief survey. Okay. I went over that. All right. And then the next one we went over was, so that was uh, Second Chronicles. Then we went to Ezra. Ezra continues the story exactly where Second Chronicle ends, and he shows how God's promise to bring his people back to their land is fulfilled. God is with these people. Although their days of glory seem over, the spiritual heritage still remains, and God's rich promises will be fulfilled. Ezra relates the story of the first two returns from Babylon, the first, they were first led by Zerubbabel and the second led by Ezra. It's two divisions of the restoration of the temple, chapters 1 through 6, and then the reformation of the people. Um, so basically the beginning of Ezra goes over the restoration. They rebuilt the temple. And then the second part, they explain how they almost they rebuilt the people. The reformation of the people follows the rebuilding of the temple. The title Ezra comes from the main character, Ezra. The book is named after its principal character, Ezra. Okay. All right. That was just a a prominent subject. The first prominent subject of Ezra is the restoration under Zerubbabel in chapters 1 through 6. The second prominent subject of Ezra is the reforms under Ezra in chapters 7 through 10. The journey from captivity to the promised land is contained in Ezra 7. It includes the permission, the people, and the pilgrimage. Some key words from uh, Ezra. Uh, The key words, went up Jerusalem, decree, house of the Lord, hand of the Lord was upon him, and the law of the Lord. The three key leaders. Uh, of Ezra uh, were the Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. Zerubbabel and Nehemiah were appointed by Cyrus. Okay, we went through that. Okay, all right, that's just a little bit on Ezra. Then we went to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, the key. Keys to Nehemiah. Key words of Nehemiah, Jerusalem's walls. While Ezra deals with the religious restoration of Judah, Nehemiah is primarily concerned with Judah's political and geological, geographic restoration. The first seven chapters are devoted to the rebuilding of Jerusalem's walls. Jerusalem was the spiritual and political center of Judah. Without walls, Jerusalem could hardly be considered a city at all. As a governor, Nehemiah also establishes firm civil authority. Ezra and Nehemiah work together to build the people spiritually and morally so that the restoration will be complete. The key verses are Nehemiah 6:15 through 16 and 8 and 8. The key chapter of Nehemiah is chapter 9. The key to the Old Testament is the covenant, which 
which its theme and unifying factor Israel's history can be divided according to the nation's obedience or disobedience to God's covenant. They receive blessings from obedience and destruction from disobedience. Nehemiah chapter 9 records that upon completion of the Jerusalem wall, the nation reaffirmed its loyalty to the covenant. They were blessed when they followed the covenant, basically. And Nehemiah was a good man of God who led the people uh, according to God's will. So that was a little bit on uh, Nehemiah's key words. Some of Nehemiah's key words are build, remember, pray, war, work, mercy, disobedience, thanksgiving. Uh, Nehemiah is an invigorating and challenging book showing what God can do through a remnant of believers who rose to God's call through his servant to restore a vital worship relationship with him. Problems, pains, prey, and preservation are some of the ingredients of the success story of Nehemiah. Okay. Help people focus. And then finally, Esther, Queen Esther. Let's take a look. The key word in Esther is providence. The book of Esther was written to show how the Jewish people were protected and preserved by the gracious hand of God from the threat of annihilation. Although God disciplined his covenant people, he never abandoned them. The God of Israel is the sovereign controller of history and his providential care can be seen throughout this book. He raised a Jewish girl out of obscurity to become the queen of the most powerful empire in the world and he ensured that Mordecai, royal deed was recorded in the palace records. He guided Esther's admission to the king's court and superintended the timing of Esther's two feasts. He was involved in Hashua's insomnia and grants for a cure. He saw that Haman's gallows would be utilized in an unexpected way. God gave Esther great favor in the sight of the king, and he brought about a new decree and the eventual victory of the Jews. God was and is in control. The key verses of Esther, Esther 4, 14, and 8 and 7. The key chapter is chapter 8. According to the book of Esther, the salvation of the Jews is accomplished through the second decree of King Ahasuerus. The decree allowed the Jews to defend themselves against their enemies. Survey of Esther, the threat to the Jews is early in the book. The story began with the leader. Uh, the king provided a lavish banquet display of royal glory for the people. The king probably sought to make Queen Vashidi's beauty a part of the program. The triumph of the Jews is the last half of the book. And um, prominent subjects, the Jews are threatened by their arch enemy, the devil. A key word of the book is Jew. The singular form appears eight times, the plural form 43 times. The fate of the Jews throughout centuries of unbelief has been one endless tragedy. Wars, famine, broken homes, political upheaval, plagues. And premature death were some of the judgments of the years of judges and kings. Then came the deprivations of Assyrian and Babylonian captivities, 
The story of Esther concerns deliverance for the Jews during exile years. It's stated in chapter 3, the extermination of all Jews was happening. And Esther got favor with the king, and he did not exterminate those Jews. How the Jews were delivered is in the later book, the later part of the book of Esther. Key words of Esther. Okay, yeah, we did that. Okay. All right. So, final exam. We will, I apologize. I do not have, I, um, you know, I don't claim to be a scholar. I'd like to have my answer key solid, solid, solid. So, I will go over the final exam with the answer key in hand right now. We don't have that. Here are some of the questions. What made David a man after God's own heart? Um, choose the answer from the given choices. Blank is the key word in the book of Esther. Captivity, failure, kinsmen, conquest, priestly, temple, David, providence, transition, division, or revival. And I, I like the um, answers to come up immediately and they're not. So that's one of the questions. And uh, First Chronicles emphasizes God's grace and forgiveness too. Let's see, what makes the book of Joshua so practical for the Christian? What chapter in the book of Nehemiah shows the decision and action in the spirit of sacrifice? There were individuals who God raised up periodically to lead and deliver the Israelites after they had backslidden and fallen under the oppression, under the oppression neighbors. What, uh, choose at least one. Okay, and that would be prophets, judges, priests, or kings. Okay, what chapter in the book of Nehemiah shows the work of God's word, the exposure to and understanding of the word? Is it Nehemiah 8, 9, 7, or 10? Tough question. What are the prominent subjects in the book of Nehemiah? Prayer, consolidation, building projects, revival. Let's see. Judah, true or false? Judah is where Esther lived and served as queen, true or false? God instructed David to prepare the materials for the rebuilding of the temple, and he gave Solomon the task to build and finish the temple, true or false? Ruth was known for two virtues. What are they? Generosity, modesty, loyalty, or honesty? God's dwelling among the children of Israel depend upon the king's faithfulness. In the book of Judges, one of the greatest examples of corruption and depravity occurred at Gibeah. What happened at Gibeah? One of the key ministries of Ezra was to revive the Israelites' interest in scriptures. True or false? Ezra 1, 1, 4, 5, and 24 and 7 are references to three important kings of Persia. Who were these kings? In the Hebrew Bible, the book of Ruth is classified under Megaloth, Nevelin, Prophets, or History. The Fourth Reformation came under kings uh, Hezekiah, Jehoshaphat, Joash, or Josiah. What areas were prominent in both temple and tabernacle? 
holy of holies, holy place, offering altar incense. Joshua is leader of the host of Israel as Christ is to the great redeemer, the mighty warrior, the captain of our salvation, converts first fruits of Calvary. The king played the role of a priest by offering incense in the temple. Thus, he was inflicted with leprosy. Was this Jotham, Isaiah, Asa, or Hezekiah? The book of Esther was written to show how the Jewish people were protected and preserved by the gracious hand of God from the threat of annihilation, true or false. What is the name of David's son who rebelled against him? Where in the Hebrew Bible is the book of Esther classified? Is it Nebelon, Megaleth, Torah, or Kethiblin? Let's see. What is the name of the woman who crowns herself as queen of Judah? Is that Michal, Jezreel, Esther, or Aphelia? The first book of Samuel is the first Old Testament book to use the phrase Lord of hosts, true or false. When Solomon died, who was crowned as king of the northern kingdom? Who was the last prophet who ministered during the time of Nehemiah and Ezra? Was it Zephaniah, Isaiah, Malachi, or Ezekiel? And Joshua 5.13 through 15 narrates an incident where Joshua was met by the command of the army of the Lord, which is evidently a an angel of the Lord who came to help Joshua in battle, a mighty warrior from somewhere around the globe sent by God to aid the Israelites, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, or no answer. And I'll stop at 30, even though the final is 60. Which one is a major feature that exemplifies the book of Ruth? The book of Ruth is one of the books in the Bible named after a woman. The book of Ruth describes sorrows of a godly family during the period of Israel's unfaithfulness. The book of Ruth demonstrates that God's plan of redemption includes Gentiles through repentance and faith in God. All right, we're going to stop there. And uh, we'll do the complete final. Uh, Yeah, I guess we'll have to go, wow, till Friday. I'll have to do another shorter, maybe a, a little summary. But, um, Okay, I had to put this on mute. So let me unmute and see if there are any questions. And if not, we're just going to give God honor and praise that we have the privilege to continue learning the book of authority. Did you know that in a court of law, you can cite biblical verses and it is authority? The judge must consider what the Bible says on the issue you are discussing, because all laws come from the Bible or history. The Bible is a book of history, law, prophecy, poetry, and literature. So we thank God that we have the privilege and the opportunity to study the Bible um, by all, all means, this is not a, a scholarly review or anything. This is just regular people reading the Bible, taking uh, somewhat shortcuts here. And um, that, that's, you know, that's all we're doing. And we just thank God for the yearning and the thirst to get a better understanding. And we've learned so much. We learn for a fact 
that every nation that chose not to follow God's laws, his covenant, his, dic- his dictates, the Bible, the commandments, those countries suffered. Those nations suffered. So we can learn a lot from history. We do not have to suffer like many nations uh, suffered. You know, we have a right to uh, use um, not, uh, to use history to learn to learn from history. Okay. So with that being said, um, let me see any any questions or comments. Let's turn this. Any questions or comments? Okay. I will close out then. Our conference recording has stopped. Okay. God bless you. And um, let me see. Okay. We stopped that one. Let's talk to you. God's grace and mercy, we give honor and all the praise. Um, Ti, stay strong. God's grace and mercy. Mm. Oh, I played that the other day. We put it in grace. Your grace and mercy. Let's go there. All right, here we go. God bless you.
I just give on to God. Thank God for the working computer we were able to complete tonight. God bless you and.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.